Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today and uh, want to welcome you today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. I'm going to be in chapter 1 and chapter 2. I'm not covering everything, but I'm going to cover just kind of be throughout those passages. But uh, today I want to talk about something that you typically don't talk a lot about, especially during this time of the year. But for those of you that feel like you're the Charlie Brownest in the room, uh, you, uh, it's like this time of the year, everybody else seems happy and all the advertisements are happy and everything is happy. But for you, it's more of a blue Christmas. It's more of a, you're battling with depression or anxiety. Maybe there's a reason, maybe there's not. Maybe you know what the reason is or you don't. Um, it's very interesting. Again, uh, this, this, this uh, debuted in the 60s, in the late 60s, this uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. So this is not a new issue. This is something that we deal with. Matter of fact, it was very interesting to me in, um, in my uh, doctoral dissertation, one of the things that I dealt with was the management of tension within leaders. And the number of leaders, world leaders, Winston Churchill, uh, Abraham Lincoln, that battled severe depression. Churchill would call it the old black dog. He would say the black dog has come back around again. Uh, the chronicles and the historians on Abraham Lincoln's life detail two very different people. One that was trying to keep the United States together under his presidency and another one who was a man who was falling apart behind the scenes. And when at times even go and remove himself from cabinet meetings to go to a room to scream into a pillow to get, try to get all of the angst and the anxiety and cry and then let himself sit until his face would return to its normal color only then to go back into the cabinet meeting and resume meetings. Wow. Makes me feel a little bit better about myself on a bad day. But we deal with this from time to time. And, and this isn't Sometimes having this human condition is something that we can spiritualize if we're not careful. And I'm going to talk a lot about this. I hope you'll be with me in next month as we begin a brand new series. Uh, and I'm going to unpack what I'm about to say now that's not in your notes then. But what's interesting is, is that many times when we come to faith in Christ, we think, well, man, I'm saved, so everything should be great. And what happens is, is that your spirit, your soul... Of, of, of humanity, man's soul, woman's soul, is right with God. You are as right with God as you're ever going to be because grace is what saves us through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not of us. But the problem with that is, is that this soul that's now right with God is still housed in this flesh, which is constituted of emotion and mind and body. That uh, I'm not even there yet. I'm going to get there in just a minute, but thanks. And I just saw that out of the corner of my eye. I was like, well, okay, here we go. So, uh, but that's constituted that way. And what happens is, this is why Paul talks about this in Romans 6, 7, and 8. The things that I don't want to do, I do. And the things that I do want to do, I don't do. And therein lies the struggle. And we think sometimes I'm just not spiritual enough. Or if I was more godly, or if I was more spiritual, or I was more holy, or maybe pastors and clergy get this, but those of us in the pews, those of us that are, that are laity, those of us that are non-priests, if you would, although we don't believe that, uh, we, we, we connect ourselves to the Reformation 500 years ago with Luther when he talked about the priesthood of every believer, that every one of us as a member in the body of Jesus Christ are ministers so that the ground is very level at the foot of the cross. The reality is, is that... 
then why is it that I don't seem like I can do this? Why is it that it seems like there's this struggle? And so there becomes this battle because you're still having to deal with your mind. That's why Romans 12 talks about the renewing of your mind. It's about the, the, the transformation of your mind, the renewing of your heart. And again, the Bible says there, but there's about 200 plus things that the Bible catalogs that can be in a man or a woman's heart. And they can be as vile or as holy and seemingly fit there at the same time. How does that happen? Plus this flesh. Has anybody else gained weight yet this year? I mean, oh my goodness, like what's happening with that? So, right, gravity's not nice, old age, all those things. It just, you know, it just, it just happens. So we've got all this stuff going on. So when I feel depressed, am I saved? Yes, because we're saved by faith and not by our emotions, not by our feelings. I don't have to feel saved to be in right relationship with God. There's a spiritual reality. I'm not unpacking all of that today. I'm going to do that in January. How do I deal with that? How do I get a mind shift in that direction so that my mind and my body and my emotions can come in alignment with my spirit? And how do I manage that? What I want to say about that today is, is that many times we can be completely right with God, going to church and feel depressed. There can be things that can happen in our lives where everything is good, but we just kind of feel almost like you're a seventh grade kid again, kind of like I'm bored. And your mom goes, yeah, but you've got video games. Yeah, but I don't want to do that. But, but you've got a bike, but I don't want to do that. But you've got friends. Yeah, but I don't want to. But you've got this, and we've got all this. And, and then and finally, Aaron, I don't know what to do to help you. And she can't because the reality is not the restlessness is not out there. It's in here. This is what Charlie Brown's talking about. When Linus says, I don't know how you can take such the most wonderful season... <laughs> And turn it into something bad, something sad. And he says, but I still am not happy. I always feel, end up feeling depressed. I want to look at the original Christmas narrative in Luke's gospel. And, uh, and, and there are three basic realities of seasonal blues that occurred or had the potential to be there in the very first narrative. I don't think I'm pushing too hard to find this here, but that we can deal with today. Meaning sometimes we take comfort in the fact that what I'm dealing with is not new, but it's part of the human condition. You have to remember that Mary and Joseph are have to be 100% man. Mary has to be fully human. She doesn't bring the divinity to the equation. The divinity comes from God through the Holy Spirit. So what that means is that we, in order for Jesus Christ to be the savior of the world, in order for him to be the Messiah, he has to be 100% God. That comes from the divinity of God through the, through the Holy Spirit. That impregnates Mary, this person who is very much 100% human. So it's her humanity that she brings. We want to deify her, but it's not that. If she's deity, the, the whole thing's off. Jesus dies for no reason but it's in her humanity, it's in her imperfection, it's in her that we find this. And so you're dealing with a very real young woman trying to grapple with a very perplexing and messy situation. Engaged to and will be married to a guy named Joseph who did not sign up for this <laughs> at all. And yet he's very much a part of this. So there's three causes of seasonal blues and uh, encouragement that God being with us in this first Christmas I want to look at. First of all, he's emotional. You guys can put that up now. I, you can see where they got to, 
it wasn't their fault. I'm just, I'm totally going off script here, but emotional, emotional. So if you're taking notes, I'm just going to give you three words and then I'm going to go right back to Luke's gospel. So emotional, Luke chapter one, verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Look at verse 29. But she was greatly troubled. Little did Mary know that her troubles were just beginning. That she was going to be engaged and then pregnant. And she's got to tell Joseph. And then the town will begin to notice. And then there's unexpected travel. And then they'll have to leave their country after the birth of their son and come back. And then what's going to happen that she will be there when her son is dies before her very eyes. I think it's interesting because we read this story with such optimism and such Christmas brightness and such warmth and joy to the world. The Savior is born, and it is. But the one who will carry the Christ child, verse 29, but she was greatly troubled. Everything can be happening great around you, And you can still be in right relationship with God. You can still be in the center of his will. You can still be doing what he's called you to do, but you can be troubled internally. Not even fully understanding what that's about, just sensing. There's just something that, you know, like I I just kind of know this in my knower. I can't quantify this. I can't put this in a test tube. This is not a quantitative or qualitative uh, assertion. This is just simply something that I'm feeling in this moment. Just work with me and just... Just because you follow Jesus and you're doing the Lord's work doesn't mean you're never going to be without trial or without trouble. And if today you're going, man, I just, there's just some things going on that are troubling me. It's okay. Actually, this is the place to be. This, this is where you need to be. Why? Because the Bible says we're two or more gathered together in his name. There he is in the midst. And if you, not me, you ask the Lord for anything according to his word, it'll be done for you by the Father in heaven. Matthew 18, 19, and 20. Wow. So when I feel that troubled, when I feel that distress, when I feel that depression, when I feel that blue, even when everything else around me is merry and bright, it's okay. Because many times depressions can find its root in situational things, it can be seasonal. It can be chemical. Sometimes it can even be reasonless. I typed into my notes, reasonlessness, and it's not a real word, but I thought I would invent it. Your emotions, they're very funny. It's very funny how you're comprised of this. And it's very funny too how God doesn't uh, try to tamp down your emotions. Even like anger, like we think of anger as being something that's wrong or bad. But James, the book of James, just says, in your anger, sin not. There's nothing wrong with being angry. It's just what you do with that anger, how volatile you become. Nothing wrong with, with being elated, just making sure you understand that, you know, that which comes up does come down. Laws of physics are laws of God, and they govern everything in our world. It's just understanding that sometimes there are things that I don't understand. There are things I don't quite get. I, I can tell you this in my own life. I'm a type of an individual that... I don't deal with depression, but I deal with a constant state of restlessness, a constant state of discontent. Uh, a const- and, that's, and so what, what happens in me is 
that's very normal for me. But if I'm not careful, that restlessness, that discontent will lead to a striving to try to please you or to please other people or to climb this mountain or that mountain or ascend this ladder or that ladder that doesn't really make any difference. And the only thing that I keep going back to is I just go, I'm not smart enough, good enough, wow, educated enough to figure it all out. So God, I come before you every day and I just pray, God, let me do what you're asking me to do. As it says in the book of Acts about the life of David, that he fulfilled the purpose of God in his generation and then he died. Help me, God, that before I die, that I fulfill your purpose for my life in this generation. Because literally, this is how crazy it is in my head sometimes. I'm watching football yesterday, college football, which I was never, I have never cheered for the Georgia Bulldogs like I did yesterday. I'll just leave it there. And, um, but I told Tammy, I said, you know, maybe I could have been a coach. Maybe, maybe that's, maybe I, I have this thought, this feeling, this emotion. I, I could coach. Like, that, that would be fun. Maybe I should try coaching. And of course, she laughs at me. Like, you old man, you're way too far down the line for this. There's times I'll watch news stories in news places, and I'm like, these people are living in New York. That's fascinating to me. I mean, I grew up in Arkansas, right? So the tallest building in my hometown is four stories. To La Quinta. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that's it, folks. <laughs> and so <laughs> the deal is I'm going, that'd be cool if you could live in Manhattan and work in Manhattan. And I mean, that's like an epicenter of da-da-da-da. I love cities, but I, what? Tammy, let's, she's like, you're crazy. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. I mean, this happens to me. Like, if I could have nine different lives, I would do nine different things. I like, I love real estate. I look at real estate all the time. I'm just always fascinated by what's selling and what's not, how long it's on the market and what's happening. In the four counties that we're in in this area, I could tell you everything that's new. There's 167 new properties in the, la in the three, in three counties, Ozaki, Waukesha, and Washington County in the last 14 days. I mean, I, I just know crazy and it's just one of those deals. And so I'm just trying to tell you, if, I'm trying to say all of this to go, when you look at me, you go, if that guy's okay, maybe I'm okay, because I'm not that messed up. Amen? <laughs> Second thing that can cause depression during this time of the year is financial. Financial. This is a real issue, but it's not new. Go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 2 now. Look at verse 1. And in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all in the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Canarius... Quinarius was governor of Syria. So since they, the, the census was for the purpose of increasing, of increasing taxes, we know that Mary and Joseph already have very little, but they're about to have even less. So in the middle of the birth of the Christ child, in the middle of all of this, her being pregnant, her having to deal with everything, they now, because of a government oversight, have to go from where they are to Bethlehem because he's at the house of David. That's important to understand. That's why they're there. And so they've got to go there in order to be registered to fill out the government documentation. So you want, this is like IRS. So in the middle of all of this, the IRS move. You, you would think if anybody got an exemption, the woman who's going to give birth to the savior of the world could kind of stay in place, right? but they don't know and they don't care. 
You, you would almost think too, like, God, if you're going to ask me to do this, at least everything around me is going to be pretty tranquil. I'm going to be able to stay in my hometown. I'm going to be able to stay where I'm at. I'm not going to have to move. I'm not going to have to be disrupted. And God's God, right? So he gets it all. So why is it that this is allowed to happen? I don't know. It happens in your life like that too, doesn't it? God, I, I, I'm, I'm giving, I'm, I'm, I'm serving, I'm going, I'm, I'm doing everything I can, but like this inflation is going through the roof and, and, and the how, prices for this and that and a bag of chips and, and a box of cereal and milk and gas and it just, it's crazy. And then there's this tightening down of what's going on and there's this crazy world like God can, I mean, God, I'm bringing the tithe and then I'm giving on top of that to greater and I'm, Lord, do you not see this? Financial. No matter what the cause, money and financial strains can easily create frustration and hopelessness that can lead to depression in this season or any other. It happens a lot in this season because if we're not careful, we swipe our way to happiness, right? We just kind of, I'll, I'll deal with it in January, we say. I'll just deal with it tomorrow. I love what Dave Ramsey says about this. We buy things that we don't need with money that we don't have to impress people that we don't like. <laughs> Say that again, <laughs> that's good. We buy things that we don't need. I know you don't like that statement. With money that we don't have, it's like, move on. This is the, this is the line, this is the phrase it pays, to impress people that we don't like. People that know you, know you. Doesn't matter what you have, what you drive, what you wear, where you go. They, they, they love you because of you. The other people, whatever. But financial strains can cause stress and can lead to depression during seasons like this. And I just think it's interesting that this was a money issue in the first century at the birth of the Christ child. Not anything new. And the third thing that we see is physical. Physical issues, physical ailments, physical problems can lead, if we're not careful, can lead to depression. Look at this and go on in verse number three of Luke chapter two. And all went well, or excuse me, all went to be registered to each of his home, hometown. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which was called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his wife, his betrothed, who was with child. So this journey from where they're at in Nazareth to get to Bethlehem. And again, I know that our plans this fall were halted to go to Israel because of what's happening in, in the war there. Um, and, uh, but when we get there, you'll be able to kind of get an idea of some of the terrain and what's going on. And Bethlehem is it's, it's a lot of hillsides and gullies. It's, it's, it's not this flat desert that you see like of the Middle East. And when you think of like uh, uh, the Judean hillside is exactly that. It, it's hills. It's, it, there's a lot of undulation. There's a lot of topographical movement that's happening. It's not like Dubai or, or Qatar or places in that part of uh, in Saudi Arabia where it's very, very, very flat. This is very, very hilly, and, and so it's, it's, there's a lot of journey. And this would have been, from Nazareth to Bethlehem, would have been somewhere between 80 to 100 miles, depending upon the route that they went, 80 to 100 miles. Walking, or at best, on a donkey, 
Okay, so she's pregnant. This is not exactly what you want to do in either one of those scenarios. There's no cars, there's no Ubers, there's no buses, there's no public transportation. It's gonna be five to seven days traveling. Physical. It's interesting to me that the first Christmas, there is a lot of physical discomfort that's coming into the equation. And again, I would say, does it have to be this way? Well, yes, because they're, they're fulfilling the prophecies, but God's the one that gave the prophets the prophecies. I mean, he could have just easily said it's going to come from Nazareth. Jesus was from Nazareth, but yet he's born in Bethlehem because of the house of David. It, it, there is all of these things that are, these boxes that are being checked, these messianic prophecies of the Old Testament that are being fulfilled, but it brings about a lot of physical distress within that season. And I'm telling you that five to seven days, let's just stop here for a moment. Take Jesus out of the equation, right? Let's put it 2,000 years later in the 21st century. If you have to walk from here to downtown Chicago, and you're pregnant by a few months, several, three, four months, and you're walking or riding a donkey from here to downtown Chicago. Throw in a couple of hills. Some, we got some good old Kettle Hills here in, in Washington County. Just throw a few of those ups and downs and ins and outs and all the way there. You're not gonna be a very happy lady. And your husband is not really gonna enjoy that trip either. Does that make sense? Let's just be honest. Like, it's probably not like, oh, this is wonderful. You're going to give birth to the Christ child. This is so great. No, they are walking for five to seven days on these trails and these roads. And they're dealing with, they're having to sleep along the side of the road. And they're not just stopping it like a La Quinta. They're, 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 they're having just to make their way as they go. And we, and we know the end of the story. When they get there, there's not a hotel or a home or a hospital that's waiting for them. No. And, and my, my point I'm making is, is that sometimes in doing what we're doing and even doing the Lord's work and even where we are, there can be seasons where it's intense, especially during this time of the year. Whether you're at, at, at his parents' house or her parents' house or all the various parties or responsibilities or last minute shopping or present wrapping, or you're dealing with real life physical pain of exhaustion and illness, health issues, Man, chronic issue or a doctor's report, a whole host of things. And it's the weight of that just begins to go, oh, tis the season. I've got a tis for this season. I can just tell you, just give me a minute. And you may have every right to. I just want to say to you, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with feeling that way. And I guarantee you, had we been along for that five to seven day journey, if there was cameras following them during that period of time, that would have made a great reality show. Could you imagine? When we get to heaven on the heavenly IMAX with real Coke that has no calories, come on. Real popcorn with real butter that has no, folks, glorified body. I'm just telling you. And all the chocolate. I want to see this part of it. These are the things I want to see. You know, roll, the, roll the footage. Go, go back a little bit. Let's just hit rewind. I want to see the journey. I want, to hear, I want to hear the audio on Mary and Joseph when this is going on. When he tells her, hey, by the way, because you're connected to me, we've got to go 80 to 100 miles, and you're going to be on a donkey or on foot. It's your choice. Anyhow. How do we land this? Hope for the season. 
Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. This is embedded in this entire passage, this entire narrative. Matthew says it this way. And behold, the virgin shall conceive and give and bear, bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. What's interesting to me, God very rarely helps us to escape the problems, the depressions, the issues, the discomforts of this world, but he walks with us. He's with us. So you're telling me there's no way that I may still deal with some of this chronic illness in this season. Yeah. I mean, should we pray for divine healing? Absolutely. Do we believe? Yeah, absolutely. But the truth of the matter is, is if that doesn't, if God chooses not to work in that particular fashion the way we think he should, we still trust him because we know that we're not alone. I, mean, I, I got a text this morning that I was preparing. A guy that I've known my entire life ministerially, I went to college with his son. Uh, he's been a pastor. He served in a denominational setting. Uh, passed away this morning at 6 a.m. About my dad's age. We, we know that this world is not our home. We know that this world is temporary. And my thought immediately went to, man, during this season, this is such a, will be such a difficult time because all three kids are in the ministry vocationally. They're all pastoring. If they're not with their, with their uh, going on the way to the family, they may actually, I know this may sound crazy to you, but they may actually get up and preach a message in a sermon because that's something what you do sometimes. And then you get in your car, you get on the plane, and you go. Because you're called to serve. Sometimes God doesn't take the, par, the depression away. Sometimes he doesn't alleviate the physical away immediately. Sometimes the financial stays there longer than what we like. Sometimes the emotional cloud may be something that we have to wrestle with the way Paul did this thorn in the flesh where he asked God three separate times the Bible says take this away from me and every single time the Lord answered him not with what Paul wanted which is take this away but God answered but the answer was not what Paul wanted the answer was but my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in your weakness Emmanuel God is with us so before you kind of go, yeah, that's great, the great Sunday answer, whatever. Uh, no, this is the powerful part about who Jesus is and the person of the Holy Spirit. You see, because up until this time, God wasn't with them. He was above them. Look at the narrative. The Bible is one continuous book. It's one love story of a father to his children, desperately trying to rescue them. God creates this world and he speaks this world into existence with the sound of his voice. And we know science tells us that those voice waves never cease. They're constantly giving back. So the voice that spoke this world into existence is still moving today. And then he created, everything else the Bible says is with the handiwork of God, but he creates man and woman in his image and his likeness to be like him. 
Everything else reflects the work of his hands, but Adam and Eve are the spitting image of who he is. That's the reason why you were elevated higher than any other life form on the planet, in this galaxy or any other. That's the reason why Jeremiah, Jeremiah, Jeremiah will write that I've given you a future and a hope that you were knit together in your mother's womb, that God had a plan and a purpose for your life, that no life is by accident. That's the reason why life is so valuable and important because you're not the handiwork of God, you are his image. Even when Jesus is challenged by this, by the Sadducees and the Pharisees of the, of the religious elect in the first century, and they said, we're supposed to give money to Caesar, so should we give taxation? And Jesus says, show me the coin. They show the coin which bears Caesar's image. And he says, whose image is on this? It's Caesar's. Well, then give to Caesar's what's to Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. The only thing that bears the image and likeness of God on this planet is you. That's why you, you and God's word are eternal. That's it. Everything else will pass away. Even this earth will pass away. The handiwork of God's hands will pass away, but not his reflection, his image that you bear. And sin enters into that. And God goes from talking and walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day and being with them to now he's separated from them. And sin separates man from God and God from man. And we began to see God through the tapestry of the Old Testament interacting. But he always interacts with an intermediary. He always, he's never been able to be face to face in flesh and blood. Moses is the one that sees probably the most of who God is. And the Bible says he sees the hinder parts of God. It's on Mount Sinai when God begins to speak. And the glory of God that was on Moses was so great that people could not look upon him. He had to cover his face because he, brought, he was so brightly shining. We end with Malachi, the last minor prophet of the Old Testament. And from that point until the birth of the Christ child, there's 400 silent years, 400 years where, where practicing Jews are going to temple, going to synagogue, practicing the seven festivals and feasts of the year and going and doing, but yet God doesn't speak and God, because God's not with them. He's up there, but he's not doing anything. And the Roman Empire is built while God doesn't speak. And Caesar comes to power while God doesn't speak. And the Israelis are oppressed while God doesn't speak. And then all of a sudden, and she will conceive a son. And behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. That gets me every single time. Because from the first time, God, the father, if you're a dad, you get this. If you're a mom, you get this. There's nothing that separates you from your child. For the first time, God is now with his creation and he's there. From that very first time, that's what's so powerful. And for the 33 years that Jesus will walk on this earth, he will touch humanity. He will go to the downtrodden. He will go to the infirmed. He will set the captives free. He will do everything that Isaiah foretold of him to do. That he will be the one that will set at liberty those that are captive. He will open blinded eyes. He will open deaf ears. He will speak life and they'll kill him for it. But it's not over yet because he will rise again. I know that's Easter. It's not Christmas. Just bear with me for a minute. But Jesus says to the disciples in John's gospel, I'm leaving you only for a while, but there will come one, the third person of the Trinity, 
the Holy Spirit. And he will always point to me. He will bring comfort to you and conviction to you and always point to truth because I will always be with you through the person of the Holy Spirit. From Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the birth of the Christ child until today in this very second, God has been with us. And what's amazing about that is in your depression, he's there. In your sickness, he's there. And the loss, the friend this morning that may preach, I don't know what he's doing. I, I reached out to him, but he was so inundated with texts and emails and calls. But with the passing of his father, just this morning, Jesus is Emmanuel. He's with him there. He's with you. He's with the missionary couple that Tammy and I met this summer on sabbatical that we saw a need that was a tangible need with a special needs child that they have, that the Holy Spirit spoke to us and said, just do something. We had no clue. Got an email this week of, you have no idea what your gift meant. We had to go here and do this and do this and do this. And the fact that we knew that there were people that God had spoken to to help in this process in this time, just let us know that we're not alone on the other side of the world. That's how God works. I, I gotta end, the, I gotta land the plane, I, I gotta pray. But I sense the presence of the Holy Spirit here in this place. And I just want you to know, if you're dealing with depression, that's okay. If you're dealing with hardship, that's okay. It happened in the first, sense, the, the, the first Christmas, biblical. But take heed, you're not alone. God is with you. And he is forever with you. And regardless if the outcome happens the way you think it should or shouldn't, it, 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 don't, get, don't get your eyes on the winds and the waves. Just know that he's with you. And I wanna pray for you this morning. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Lord, I sense your Holy Spirit very strong in this place. It's not me, it's you. And Lord, this Christmas season is a time where everything around us tells us that all is merry and bright. And so we should just smile and we should just be happy and we should just be content and we should just be a lot of things that may not be a reality of our own heart. Because there could be a bad doctor's report. There could be a sickness. There could be a loss that last year so-and-so was here and this year they're not. Grief. You understand that, Lord. The word says you're tempted and tried in every manner as we are, yet without sin. The only time that you cried in scripture that we see that shortest verse in scripture, Jesus wept. John records when you're encountering the loss of Lazarus, even though you know you're going to bring him back to life. Because there's something about us that we're not hardwired to be alone. God, you addressed the aloneness of humanity before you ever addressed our sin depravity. And through the person of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, you are here in this room.
And I pray, God, whatever hardship, whatever depression, be it financial, be it physical, be it emotional, be it tangible or intangible, be it something we caused or we didn't, be it something that we understand or that we don't, I pray, Lord, let the crazy subside. And Jesus, I pray that you would walk into the room, into the very space and the presence of where we exist and speak peace, be still. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.